Psalm 81.1 says, Sing aloud to God our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Raise a song and strike the timbrel, the pleasant heart with the lute. And so we want to praise the Lord today with 352 as we stand and sing. Faith of our fathers living still in spite of dungeon, fire, and sword. We'll stand up and sing all three verses. 352, Faith of our fathers. 352, let's stand and sing.
so much. First John chapter four this morning, please. First John chapter four. A little boy upon returning from his first day of kindergarten was asked by his mother what he learned that day. His reply was, we learned to play with kids we don't like. That's a good lesson, isn't it? And in the Christian life reminds us of another important lesson that we need to learn, and that is to love people that we don't necessarily like. And as we turn again to this little book of 1 John, we find that love is again John's theme. No wonder Augustine, the church father, said about John in his first epistle, he has spoken many words, 
and nearly all of them are about love. This is the third time that we bump up into uh, that uh, theme of love here. We found it in chapter 2, verses 7 through 11, chapter 3, verses 10 through 17, and now in chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. Now, I've got a confession to make. Obviously, I was not here uh, last week. We were on vacation, and uh, we attended church outdoors at a campground and uh, had a wonderful time there. In actuality, I got to thinking, I'm glad you all couldn't see it, most of you, because you'd want to do what they do there. They drive up in their golf carts, a lot of them, and park at the end. And then the last song, they drive away. I thought, boy, if Red Hill saw that, they want to blow the back of the church off and sit in their car with the air conditioning. And when I say, okay, let's pray, y'all just drive on off to the restaurant. But anyway, I didn't know until last night, late, I pulled out my Sunday school quarterly. And looked at, you know, today, and then I looked back, wonder what they studied last week. And guess what you studied last week, do you know? You study what we're going to study this morning. I don't think it's a coincidence that over and over and over and over and over and over and over here right now, God is emphasizing in big, bold letters, I love you. We just can't get away from it. Wednesday night, we studied it. Our Joshua Code verse this past week's about loving God. This week's about love. Uh, our vacation Bible theme this coming summer, next month, guess what it is? It's love. Uh, here in 1 John, y'all studied it last week in Sunday school. Love. Here it is again. Love. Over and over and over again, God is saying to us, I love you. And so really, you're probably more prepared for this message than any others. Why? Because most of you studied it last week for Sunday school. So let's look at it again. First John chapter four, beginning at verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, did you notice that John is practicing what he's preaching here? He's practicing what he's writing. He begins this passage off by saying what? Beloved. And then again in verse 11, he says it again. Beloved. You can feel the love of God flowing through John here in these uh, verses as he pens these words. And by count, if you include the beloveds, the word love appears, as I counted it, 13 times in these five verses in the New King James Version. We don't have to guess about his theme here. His theme is the theme of love. Thirteen times in five verses. And by the way, the name God appears nine times. So we're talking about love and the love for God, love for one another, God's love for us. And here the command is what? Very clear, very concise. Love one another. Love one another. Now, we should love the lost, of course. Love those who are outside of Christ. We should love everyone, of course. But this is specifically talking about our love for fellow believers, our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is love for the family, if you will, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And while that should be easy, it's not always easy, is it? Just as in our natural families, there are those who are somewhat difficult to love. There's crazy Uncle Ed. 
There's the mutual brother-in-law, uh, Leroy. There's your eccentric Aunt Myrtle who smells like mothballs. And, and they're kind of hard to, to get her, your arms around. And by the way, those are purely fictional characters. Any resemblance to an actual person is purely accidental. But there are people that are hard to love. And then there are those who are easy to love. And then we come to the body of Christ and what happens? There are those who are easy to love. And then there are those who are not easy to love. Uh, but we've got to keep in mind that what we're talking about here when we say love one another is not a feeling. It's not necessarily just a feeling. It's not just emotion. Uh, it's more than just the warm fuzzies all over that I just love everybody. And I'm going to be honest, today is Father's Day. And some of you men are probably sitting here thinking, really, preacher? Father's Day and you're preaching on love one another? I mean, why not? Why not David uh, killing Goliath? Why, why not uh, 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 Joshua taking the city of Jericho? Why not something manly and masculine? And, and I mean, just, you know, sweat all over it, you know, Samson killing all those people with the jawbone of a donkey. I mean, yeah, there's a message for you. How about jail the wife of Heber driving a nail through the temple of Caesarea, killing him? I mean, that's a Father's Day message, right? And you come today with beloved. Let us love one another. Yeah? Why? Well, my brother, you're mistaken if you think that this is not a Father's Day appropriate message. I think the real problem is there's a misunderstanding of what love really is. See, this is not sappy love. This is not sentimental love. This is not Hallmark Channel love he's talking about here. No, this is selfless love. This is a sacrificial love. This is agape love. This is God's kind of love. This is Jesus kind of love. This is the kind of love that that drove the Lord Jesus Christ to the cross where he was nailed and and bled and died for our sin. He gave his life for us. This kind of love is not for sissies. This kind of love is not for wimps. This kind of love may actually cost you your life, literally, because it's a sacrificial love. It's a selfless love. Alan notes the biblical concept of agape love is a love that is unconditional, a love that seeks the highest good for the one who is loved, a love of total commitment. That's what he's saying when he says, beloved, love one another. And this is a love that should characterize every single believer, every single Christian. In fact, verse eight says he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. And so if you know God, you're going to be a loving person. Not perfectly. We all have our moments. Uh, not, not without error, but we're going to have love in our hearts. So I want to unpack these verses of the next few moments, if we can. And I want you to notice, first of all, uh, the true source of love. The true source of love. We're told in verses 7 and 8 that love is of God and God is love. Look at it again. Verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who is born of God, uh, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. Now, please notice it's saying more than simply God loves. It says God is love. That is, love is his nature. God is love. C.H. Dodd pointed out that if we just say, well, God loves That might stand alongside other statements such as God creates, God rules, God judges. That is to say it means that love is one of his activities. But to say God is love, listen, implies that all his activity is loving activity, even his judgment. If he creates, he creates in love. 
If he rules, he rules in love. If he judges, he judges in love. All that he does is the expression of his nature, which is to love. So it's more than just God loves. Now, of course, God does love. But that's not what's saying here. It says God is love. It's his nature. He is love. And we know that the reason that we can love and the reason that we do love is because God first loved us. And so you find that even if you will study it later in chapter four, verse 19, where it says we love him because he first loved us. Now, while it is true to say that God is love, it is not true to say that love is God. There's a big difference there. We can't say love is God. The Bible says love is of God, but doesn't say love is God. We say, what's the big deal? Well, the Greek which this is translated of, is constructed according to Crest in such a way that can only be translated basically this way. You cannot say love is God. God defines what love is. So it's important to see that God is the source of love, but also God is the one who defines what love really is. We can't say that all love is God. No, God is love. Those of you who are reading the book, God Loves You by David Jeremiah, going through that summer Bible study, you might remember reading this. We've already covered it. Bartlett's familiar quotations list approximately 1,300 different definitions, reflections, and opinions on the subject of love. From the sappy to the abstract to the perverse, everyone talks about love. Everyone experiences some form of it, and everyone is driven by the need to give and receive it. But listen, false ideas of love are tearing the world apart. Homes, hearts, even nations. Counterfeit ideals of love are all around us. You see, because God is love, but love is not God. God defines what love is, not the other way around. You see, the true source of love, biblical, agape, God-type love, has its source in God. Perverse love does not. Perverse love, or we might call false love, abounds today. We see it in a spouse who says, oh, I, I love this other person over here who's not my spouse. So I'm going to leave my spouse because I love this other person. That's not true love. That might be lust. It might be something else. But it's not a agape love. It's a perverse love. It's a false love. You see, true love has its source in God. True love is in line with God's character and God's will and God's word. And God is the source of love. God is love, not love is God. You see the difference? God defines what true love is. is. And, and the problem we have is, and I talked about on Wednesday night, is we love everything today. So we've got to get our, our minds straightened out. Because we love pizza and we love uh, the Atlanta Braves. And, and some of you love uh, State and some love Carolina and some love Duke and some love East Carolina. And some of you don't know what you love. And some of you love peanut butter and jelly. And, and some love, uh, you, you know, we love everything. We love our dog. We love our neighbor. We love our spouse. We love our job sometimes. We, we love everything. So we've got to get narrowed down what kind of love we're talking about. This is a gothic love, a selfless, sacrificial love. And God is the source of it because he's also the greatest giver of love. Notice, secondly, here this morning, the greatest example of love. We found the true source of love is God. God is love. Now, notice the greatest example of love in verses nine and ten. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
If you want to know what love looks like, look at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what love looks like. Perhaps you're familiar with this verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, true love gives. God gave His Son that we might, we might have life. We could live through Him, as it says here in 1 John. And so that we could have our sin forgiven, that he would be the propitiation for our sin. The love of God is remarkable, beloved. It was in love that he created us. Now think about this. God didn't need us. He was perfect. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The three in one, the Trinity, had perfect fellowship, perfect unity, perfect harmony, perfect completeness. They needed nothing, needed no one. But they in love created us all the while knowing that we were going to rebel against them and sin against them. Yet in love, they still created us. And then in love, they didn't just leave us in our sin. They said, we'll make a way that they can be placed back into a right relationship with us. For God so loved the world. God so loved humanity. God so loved all of us that he sent his only begotten son to die in our place. While we were yet sinners, he manifested his love for us. God's love is remarkable. And Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sin. Now, propitiation is not a word that we use probably on a weekly basis. I doubt probably anybody in here, maybe might be an exception, but probably very few even used the word propitiation this past week. Maybe even this past month. Maybe even this past year. It's a word we don't really get a hold of a lot, but it means a covering. It is a covering of our sin, a satisfaction for our sin. Leitner said it this way, propitiation carries the meaning of satisfaction. The work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross is the complete satisfaction of the offended righteousness of God. God the Father is satisfied with the finished work of His Son. He paid it all. You see, God is love, but God is also a God of justice. And so he could not just overlook our sin. He could not just kind of wink at our sin. He couldn't just brush it off. It had to be dealt with. So God in love sent Christ to be the covering, the satisfaction, to meet the requirements, to take upon himself the sin of us, that he might be satisfied and covered. The prophet Isaiah said it this way. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the idea there. He became the propitiation. He took upon himself our sin. He satisfied God's righteousness and God's justice by taking his, uh, uh, the, our sin upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That's love. That's the greatest example of love. And I wonder today, friend, have you personally experienced that love? Has there been a time in your life where you recognize that you're a sinner, you've done wrong? You've offended a righteous, holy God. And the wages of your sin is death. And you're apart from Christ. And yet, God loves you so much, He gave Christ for you. And if you'll place your faith, if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, He will forgive you your sin. 
He will credit Christ's righteousness to your account. He will he will cover your sin by Christ's blood and he will make you a child of God. If you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the day to do that. Today is the day to settle that. Today is the day to come to the cross and find forgiveness and peace and true hope forever and ever. Don't squander God's love for you. Don't reject God's love for you. God loved you so much he gave his son for you. We see here the true source of love, that is God. We see the greatest example of love, that is Jesus giving his life on the cross. But then we find, thirdly, the highest motive for our love for one another. The highest motive for our love for one another. Because we're told in this passage what? Love one another. Verse 7 says, Beloved, love one another. Uh, verse 11, we're told again to love one another. 1 John 4, 11, look at it again. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, what is it that motivates our love for other believers? Is it guilt? Is it, well, you know, I, I need to love them because, you know, God's word says love. It's so I better love. If I don't love, I feel guilty about it. Is it greed? Well, I'm going to love them so they'll love me back. And I'm going to love them so they can give you know, something back to me. Is it pride? So I can say, oh, I'm such a loving person. I, I love everybody. I'm a lover. Is that what it is? Is it fear? Well, the Bible says if I don't love, then, then I don't know God. So I better really work hard so I can love other people. No, beloved. The highest motive for love for one another is God's love for us. Did you see it there? Look at it again. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, notice that word so. For God so loved us. It's referring back to what he just talked about. That is, he gave Christ for us. You see that word again in John three sixteen, don't you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loved us when we were certainly unlovely. God loved us when we were not worthy of love. Listen to what Romans says in chapter five, verses six to eight. For when we were for when we were still without strength, we were weak in due time. Christ died for the ungodly. We were ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his love, his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Beloved, we did not deserve God's love. We do not deserve God's love. But God has poured out his love upon us. And this verse says that we ought to love one another like that. We also ought to love one another. That is, we are bound to love. We're obligated to love. We're required to love one another. Does this sound familiar to you? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. You just memorize what's the last part say, and your neighbor as yourself. Does this sound familiar? You're going to memorize it this week. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you, so it's my kind of love. As I have loved you, you also love one another. This week, you're going to read these words of the Joshua Code. You're going to read these words. The Bible reveals that the acid test of the Christian life is love. Love is not simply a virtue of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. It is the oxygen of the kingdom. 
I don't think, as I said before, it's coincidence that God keeps saying to us that I love you. And these love messages are screaming at us at the same time. God is saying, Red Hill Baptist Church, love one another. And what kind of love? It's not a sappy. It's not sentimental. It's not warm fuzzies. It's a selfless love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love that says, I want your good above my own. It's a love that's willing to lay down things on my own behalf so that you are benefited. It's God's kind of love. It's Jesus' kind of love. He says, love one another just as I loved you. Love one another. And the power of the Holy Spirit. Choose to love one another. If it's just a feeling, we couldn't be commanded to do it, could we? Now, have you ever tried to command somebody to feel something? You know? Feel good. You better feel good. It's just crazy. But it's more than a feeling. It's more than an emotion. It's a choice we can make in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can choose to put others ahead of ourselves. We can choose to be selfless rather than selfish. We can choose to seek the welfare of others. We can choose to love like God's love. And we can choose to do more than talk about it. We can choose to act. So what does this look like? Well, it looks like this. that We're in the midst. Maybe you're on a committee meeting. Or maybe you're in a Sunday school class. And you're making a decision. Agape love doesn't say, it's all about me. No, agape love says what? It's all about you. The good of you. We come to a business meeting. It's not about my wants and my desires. It's what's going to benefit the body. What's going to benefit my brothers and sisters in Christ? It's choosing if you want to take the back seat. It's choosing to put others ahead of yourself. We need to meditate on these great truths. God loves me and I'm to love others. We should be like a conduit of God's love. It it flows into us. The Bible says that God has poured out his love. And as it flows into us, it should pour out of us. We should be a conduit. And it should be real. Jerry Vines tells about a seminary professor who was really strong on the theme of love. I mean, this was one of his messages. Love, 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 love. And, And one day he had the sidewalk... Uh, in front of his home paved. And the cement was still wet. Now I want to be honest. I just want to testify here. That could be a stressful time. We got home Monday. And we had fairly wet cement at the parsonage. And you look at it. It's beautiful. And, and I had a little bit of stress. I want to keep that pretty. I want to keep that. Don't, don't get into cement. I thought how horrible would it be to see. Neighborhood cat paw prints in that cement. The rest of my time here. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's a stressful time. You get that cement poured and you want it to look right. Well, anyway, the seminary professor, he had the sidewalk paved and his little neighbor boy who was playing around and didn't realize the cement was wet. You know what he did? He did what little boys do. He ran right through it and messed it up. And that seminary professor, he railed at that boy. And the next day he goes into his class and they were ready for him. The students are that way, aren't they? They know if you're real or not. And so they were waiting for him. And they said, you've been telling us we ought to love one another. Yet look how hard you were on that kid. And the professor replied, well, it's like this. I love him in the abstract, but I do not love him in the concrete. (laughs) Some of you will get that about two o'clock this afternoon. 
Beloved, let me just say this to you. Christian love is not abstract. It's concrete. It's real. We don't just talk about it. We don't just dream about it. We don't just say, oh, I love everybody. We display it in our lives as we put others ahead of ourselves. We esteem others better than ourselves as we choose to take the back seat and we choose the welfare of one another. And so I say to you today what John says to us, what God the Holy Spirit says to us, beloved, let us love one another for God is love. And just as he loved us, let us love one another. Father, I pray today that you would help us to learn these lessons, but do more than just learn them, to live them out in our life. Lord, I pray as you're emphasizing over and over again your love, that you would help us, Lord, as a church to grow in this area, to be one of the most loving churches that's ever been. Lord, to love others above ourselves. Lord, to choose to display your love in our lives, in our day-to-day actions. Lord, I pray this morning if anyone here has never experienced your love personally, I mean, yes, they've had common grace. They have seen your love and your creation and in the beauty and the provision, but they've never experienced your redemptive love. They've never met the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray this very hour, Lord, as we sing this closing song, the Holy Spirit would work in their life and bring them to an end of themselves, an end of sin, where they place their faith in the Savior. Now, Lord, I pray that you would help each believer here Lord, help us to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Whatever He's saying, may we respond in faith and obedience. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought we should close out this uh, time together with um, a real stirring, uplifting hymn, Love Lifted Me. Thinking about God's love and how it's displayed to us. If you've never met the Lord Jesus... When we're singing this song, I'll be standing at the front here. If you'll just come let me know you'd like to meet the Lord Jesus, I'll simply take you by the hand, welcome you, and put you as someone who loves you and loves the Bible and loves God. And they'll take a Bible and lead you to Jesus. If you want to come and pray, Christian, today, maybe God has spoken to your heart about something. The altar is open for you as well. Uh, 546 is that hymn, Love Lifted Me. The altar is open. Would you come today as we sing, Love Lifted Me, you come. Uh...